of the vulnerable, God of the hopeful, help us to know your salvation. Amen. Please be seated. We all are good sports. Uh, today we mark this strange ancient feast that we did at the beginning with those candles with that procession. And Candlemas, the feast of the presentation, it marks the 40 days since Christmas. And today it actually falls on a Sunday. It's been 40 days since we celebrated Christmas. And after those 40 days, Candlemas invites us back, back into the story that Luke was telling. And we find Jesus being presented in the temple. His family marks the tradition practiced by Jewish families for centuries. They give thanks that the child has survived to his 40th day. There in the temple, Jesus and his family have two surprising encounters with the Simeon, the righteous one, and then with the prophet Anna. And the story of the presentation, it's the first story that Luke tells after Jesus' birth. Just after the angels and the shepherds have gone home, Luke brings us here to the temple. And Mary and Joseph are amazed by the words of these two strangers. They're amazed to hear the proclamation of the angels confirmed. And we know nothing else about either of the two characters that Luke introduces. Anna and Simeon appear nowhere else in the Gospels, nowhere else in Scripture, nowhere in the archaeological or the historical record. We, we don't know who they are, except what Luke tells us. And I want to suggest to you this morning that Luke is less interested in their historical biographical details than in what Anna and Simeon represent. Luke invites us to read this passage allegorically. The gospel pushes us into questions of meaning. What do Anna and Simeon tell us about Jesus? I'm going to give you the answer right now. Here's the crib note for today's sermon. Knowing Jesus requires a hope that refuses to die and a bravery earned through vulnerability. Knowing Jesus requires a hope that refuses to die and a bravery earned through vulnerability. Let's turn to Simeon first, the hope that refuses to die. And Simeon, Luke tells us, has been waiting. He's been waiting for the restoration of Israel. The man knows what it is to wait. This is a man who knows what it is to wish for a different world. And remember that Simeon and Mary and Joseph, all of Israel-Palestine, live under the power of Rome. The people are taxed to pay for Rome's mighty army. That same army keeps watch on all the great religious festivals. Anytime the people parade through the streets, there is the Roman army up, in the, up on the rooftops watching, ensuring there's no popular rebellion. Simeon is subject to Rome. Simeon stands in for all of us who are frustrated. Simeon stands in for all of us who feel like our vote doesn't count. Simeon represents all the human beings caught in the awful cycles of the news, who are tired of injustice. Simeon comes to the temple as an emblem of resistance, as an emblem of the kind of person who knows that the world as it is, unjust, unfair, corrupt, it cannot stand forever. You see, Simeon's received a word from the Spirit of God. 
Wait. Your consolation is coming. The world as it is will give way to the world as it should be. Have hope, Simeon. So when Simeon encounters Jesus, he bursts into song. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen the salvation, as the old prayer book had it. In this tiny child, just six weeks old, Simeon sees hope fulfilled. Jesus will be a light to enlighten the nations. Jesus will be the glory of his own people, Israel. And these words of Simeon have echoed through the centuries. They're sung as part of the evening service or recited if you're by yourself at home with your prayer book each night. These are words of comfort. They're words of justification. Simeon represents a hope that refuses to die. Faced with oppression, faced with overwhelming odds, faced with intransigence, Simeon's hope refuses to die until his eyes have seen the salvation, the salvation he knows will come. Simeon's hope refuses to die until he can say those words. Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. To know Jesus is to know, according to the late Bill Coffin, that seemingly powerless love will conquer loveless power. Seemingly powerless love will conquer loveless power. Simeon's faith is the faith of the spirituals. Simeon is the forerunner of all the great spiritual writers. Simeon's hope is the hope of a people who have been held down. The Reverend Dr. Polly Murray was the first African-American woman ordained an Episcopal priest. She's now counted among the saints. She was also an attorney who helped to lay the legal framework for Brown versus Board of Education. She helped desegregate America's schools. She also won a court case that desegregated Alabama's juries. Polly Murray is one of the two often unsung heroes of our American story. She's one of the reasons we need February to be a month when we celebrate the history, the figures in history and black history that are part of our American story. And Polly Murray, before she was a priest, before she was a doctor, she was a poet. She wrote these lines about hope. Hope is a word in a tuneless ditty, a word whispered with the wind, a dream of 40 acres and a mule, a cabin of one's own and a moment to rest, a name and place for one's children and children's children at last. Hope is a song in a weary throat. Hope is a song in a weary throat, St. Pauli tells us. Simeon's words have been sung by weary throats. In the hours when life has been rough, Simeon's hope still echoes. When governments fail, When corruption reigns, Simeon's hope, the hope that is found in Christ, is a hope that refuses to die. Simeon's hope is a defiant hope. When Simeon speaks these words, Luke still isn't done. No, Luke's not done. Because after Simeon comes Anna. 
Anna, Luke tells us, is a widow. And that word carries more weight in Greek or in Aramaic than it does in our own language. Anna being called a widow means that she is vulnerable. First century Jewish marriage customs would have dictated that if Anna's husband had any relatives that were living that were viable, Anna would have been remarried. That Anna is a widow tells us that Anna has come to the end of the line. She may be considered desperate. See, widows were unable to inherit property. Widows were seen as lost. Luke tells us that Anna spends day and night in the temple, and it's reasonable to wonder whether Anna had anywhere else she could go. The world could have judged Anna. The world might have seen Anna as someone who lost God's favor, someone who angered the Almighty and brought her suffering upon herself. But Luke doesn't. Luke gives Anna a title. Luke calls her a prophet. Luke, the gospel writer, he tells us that this woman, who we would likely call homeless, she is the bearer of God's words. Anna echoes the hopeful poetry of Simeon. Don't miss this. The gospel writer chooses a vulnerable woman, someone on life's edge, to be among the first evangelists, the first to tell others the good news found in Jesus. If you're ever wondering if you have your life together enough to call yourself a Christian, if you're wondering if you have your life together enough to, to speak words of prophecy, to call out to the systems and the powers that be, look to Anna. She's one of the first. And this is unsurprising for Luke, the gospel writer. Luke often gives the words of wisdom and wit and faith to women. Luke's female characters are often the wise, the faithful, the ones who understand when the men don't. Notice Simeon sings the beautiful song, but he keeps it to himself. Anna's the one who goes out to tell the good news. We still gender vulnerability in our society. We align strength with masculinity and weakness with femininity. We're taught to hide weakness. The gospel inverts the world's values. The gospel often does. Brene Brown, the social researcher and writer and Episcopalian, has questioned the way we think of strength. We're all taught to be brave, she says. We're all taught to be brave, and then we're warned, growing up, not to be vulnerable. And that's the rub. When you have bravery without vulnerability, that's what you get, what we're looking at today. All bluster, all posturing, no real courage. Notice Luke doesn't give Jesus' proclamation to anyone in power. Luke doesn't have the high priest come and anoint Jesus. The priests are too busy playing the political games between the Roman governor and the temple treasury. They're too busy chasing power, demonstrating their own power to bother with Jesus. It's Anna, the widow, the old woman, who is free to see Jesus, who's free to name him, and tell the good news. Anna models bravery with vulnerability, just as Jesus will model bravery and vulnerability together. To know Jesus is to be brave enough to be vulnerable. 
Today we encounter these two unlikely characters, Simeon and the prophet Anna. Today the gospel gives us a clue what it will take to know this Jesus. At the very beginning of his life, the gospel tells us knowing Jesus necessitates a hope that refuses to die and a bravery earned through vulnerability. Neither of these qualities, defiant hope nor vulnerable bravery, are readily taught by our world. I know that what we do in our church, the way we follow Jesus here, can seem odd. I know it's strange to have a priest ask you to gather at the back of the church, grab a candle, listen to a bunch of strange music, and then walk like 18 feet to your seat. That's odd. While the world has moved on from Christmas, on to Valentine's Day, I even saw Easter eggs in the store the other day. Here, we aren't yet ready to let go. We're not yet ready to let go of the Christ child. Just 40 days ago, we told a story that changes our world, that upsets all the relationships, all of our understandings of power. Just 40 days ago, we remembered that God's love for us, God's love for all of creation, meant that God chose to step into our world. God became incarnate, dwelled among us. And today, the prophet Anna and Simeon, the righteous, they reiterate the power of that proclamation. They tell us that Christmas still matters. Simeon tells us that to know Jesus is to have a hope that refuses to die. The prophet Anna encourages us that the world call, what the world calls weak, God counts as brave. That message of Jesus still surprises us, still amazes us, still has the capacity to transform our world. So have hope and be vulnerably brave. Amen. Amen.